On this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, we have guest in studio, Michael Hart. He's here to talk to us about his views on the statistics that he follows in golf, as well as we talk about the amateur game as a result to golf, because that's really what is important to us, is how amateur golf is a piece of the overall game. And on top of that, we review one of these tequilas that I somehow snuck back into the country from Mexico. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Faded Golf Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mark Juline, and with me every week, Mr. John Falkenberg. John, what's happening, my man? Hello, what's up? What's going on? We are, uh, we are, uh, after the players, you know, the, the newly uh, debated, well, not newly debated, but the debated uh, fifth major players. So, you know, really exciting as we're kicking off the golf season. New so, date. Yeah. And uh, March, which I like. Personally, that's my thing. Was the rough thicker? I've heard it wasn't. I heard it was a lot easier uh, to get through that. I dip. think it was the bear trap, though. Okay. So I wonder why it wasn't there. I guess it's a little more north. Maybe a little bit more north. But... What's exciting is, uh, before we start talking real shit here, um, we got Mr. Michael Hart in the st- in studio. Guess who's back. <laughs> Guess who's back. back uh, we we got to go back to, like, probably, what, episode 10, maybe, or something like that? Really? Yeah, we were, uh, I mean, we are halfway back, so welcome back, Michael Hart. It may Hart. have been before 10. It could have been. been. Could have been 8, mm-hmm. 7, somewhere in there. Could have been single digits. So, and for those of you who have, don't listen Michael's back that far. Michael's aspiration of his handicap this year. <laughs> yeah. Single digits. That's right, single digits. The five of you that are new, you should go check it out. Yeah, the five of you that are new. That's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, that's it's re- that come on. Well, I five? tell you what. <laughs> what's, well, you are nice. Yeah, you are nice. I will say what is really interesting. Uh, when we don't have guests, when it's just John and I, we probably get like 20 listeners or so it's pretty good when we have guests it at least doubles so we we get 40 to 60 so a lot of pressure it is a lot of pressure mikey so welcome back well thank you it's good to be here and john Uh, you're finally in studio with me so that was good too you were trying to skype you in from florida last time drunk drunk john was a little was a little sketchy and you know what what i'm reliving it right now by seeing your shirt yes we all are wearing um you can pick these up online correct yeah, your swag. Yeah, <laughs> so good though. I'm I do like, like that. It's so pretty good. solid. Yes, please check out Michael. Faded we'll get a picture of this uh, later and post it on the, on the gram. Yeah, but I'm uh, hungry. I'm still hungry. He's got the official <laughs> hungry like the wolf. I actually meant to put on my newest. So we have our newest creation, um, our newest T-shirt. It's it's uh, an ode to what I like to call you know Mr. Flagstick in Bryson DeChambeau, and so we have the. Um, the official uh, Mad Scientist Putting School t-shirt is available on Faded.Golf. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. In the golf interwebs, he's known as Le Artiste. Ooh. The Beautiful Mind. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I kind of like that because he's... We like calling him the Mad Scientist, but I like like the Le Artiste. I mean, that that makes him seem a little classier, and I'd like to think that Bryson... Likes to think that he's classy, but he's not classy. The dude plays Fortnite in between rounds. The dude's not classy. For God's sakes, he's he's on Instagram posting 
um, you know, victory royale. You know, when he when he, after he wins a golf tournament, he's there's nothing classy he's about. He's a nerd. Are you yeah, surprised he geek. doesn't know how to fill his time, his free time, with anything else? Interacting no. with human beings. No, it doesn't surprise I, me at all. I think the whole reason he keeps he's a, a mad scientist. Mm-hmm. Man. I, I think the whole reason he keeps the flag stick in. It's not all science shit. It's 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 laziness. I think it comes out. <laughs> so here and li- hear me out. So when I went down uh, this past weekend to play some golf in uh, Florida, uh, we played uh, just a couple rounds and we kept the flag stick in the whole time. Yeah. And I never some, pulled I've, it. Never pulled it. Hmm. Both rounds. And then with two different sets of people, and so the older guy was with us. He's saying nobody takes it out. It's it keeps it keeps it faster. Yeah. It's, and if you're kind of just a little bit lazy, it's easy to do. You just that like it 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 so comes th- down to that. It's so much it easier. D- it to doesn't. Keep it in. It, here's the thing. It doesn't matter. I think that's the point. Is it doesn't matter. Doesn't the the point of that idea or the rule that they made was to speed up play. And if that's what it does, where it takes laziness, and it actually helps speed up play. I'm all for it. You're going to get a lot of people still pull it out, and he's going to piss you off. It probably will. Well, and what I've seen on tour is that, especially on, like, long lag putts, these guys are leaving them in because they, I think they know, and, like, this would be me too, if I beat one a little bit, you know, like I give it a little too much juice and I'm going to run it by four or five feet, if it has a chance of hitting that pin to slow it down, there's a total benefit to that for sure. Plus, just being able to see it. Well, and, yeah. and and the guy like the caddy tending the pin. How dumb was that? So it's like, time. Yeah, like that's stupid too. Or a playing partner. See, these guys obviously have caddies, but what about playing partner? Hey, can you tend that well, for me? Mark, that's just you got to mark your ball. Yeah, you gotta walk over. You got to tend it, and you have to hold it perpendicular to the ground and right. hold the flag and make sure you yeah. pull it out so that it doesn't hit it yes and that guy gets a penalty because right. it's your fault because you tended it for yeah, him. It's dumb. yeah it's dumb so, so I, I love the rule i haven't played golf in 2019 yet congrats on your success to be able to do that in florida it sounds like a pretty nice setup that you got there but um i i think it you're not seeing the benefit on the pro uh, game because they take forever in every other aspect of the game, but you're just you're the example of why they probably did it for everyone else is because it does speed up play and you're not tripping over yourself to pull out a pin when you guys can just basically hit five footers in and pick it up and go right. But so. it, but it's like what Mark said though; it really makes no difference. Like you hit it at the hole, it's gonna go in and it, yeah. it's not gonna at, knock it out. Right. If you're at the right speed, it's not gonna fall out. No. If anything, on the longer putt where you may have like hit it a little firm, it probably is gonna help it. Uh even if it like missed and did ricochet, you're still not gonna be five feet past. You might be like now two feet off to the side or something right. like that. In right? the flag and like so when you get the the edgers that you know rim out, doesn't affect it. It's just nope. I think the only thing it can do is actually help, like you say. Especially on the short putts or putting, yeah, I don't think it matters. I'm keeping it in the whole year. There, there's probably a few scenarios. <laughs> I am. I'm keeping it in. The well, whole here's year. the thing: the, there's a few scenarios where I've seen, like on a windy day, that thing is like you know half bent, or somebody didn't put that thing in right, or whatever it is, and like I can see, but hey, pull that thing because I, I feel like it could mm-hmm. kick my ball out. I'm yep. still keeping it, but I don't care. The whole year, I don't care. I'm keeping yeah, it in. We'll see how it goes. The only thing, it's like golf it's etiquette would tell you that your playing partner would dictate whether or not. it's it's going to be pulled. And if I play with you, I will tell you to pull it on every single hole now that you said that. Okay. So <laughs> I'll still pull <laughs> just, it. Just to get in your head. I will still pull it. No, I'll just be annoyed and I'll give you shit the whole time about it. Probably. 
I'll be like, yeah. you're, man, you're, I'm, then I'm going to, then I'm going to start looking at the well, watch, my time, like speed of play. Does it, does it matter what material, have you checked the material of our flagpoles, like the they're RTs, fiberglass. that the they're, RTs they aren't has the metal. confirmed whether yeah. or not? Okay. They're fiberglass. Uh, who, I'm trying to think who around here has the metal flags. Uh, God, it's been a long time. Brookshire? No. They, they don't. They got the fiberglass. Who would have metal flags? I've, I've played. So do you remember? This could be. I mean, they, a lot of things have evolved. You know over, what it does? Over the years, I think it does is Meridian Hills. Do they? I think they do. Where you, you've seen the ones where they've got the. It's like a wider stick, but then it's a little bit more narrow at the bottom kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and I can't remember the last time I played at a course like that. But yeah, it's like a metal flag. And yeah, he says that the metal flag you don't want to do it with. But I'll take whatever. his word for it. I mean, Bryson, man, freaking mad scientist. Get your mad scientist. I really scientist. like him. Get your do mad you like, scientist you like putting him, school. I find him interesting, and I like the fact that he has his own personality in a, uh, a world of basically the same human being. Like, they're all the same. They're, they're all very... Robotic. Yeah, robotic. Oh, yeah. They don't really speak their mind. They just try to kind of chug along and show no personality. And when they do, it, they get some bad feedback at first, and then they kind of cower back into whatever the standard quo is. So, like, you've got, you got like, John Rahm, who I think is a psychopath. I like him, though, but he is complete. <laughs> like, he even had to say, like, I'm really working on my emotions last week. I heard you know? that. Like, because he is a little psychotic. Like, But I kind of like that, though. And then Bryson, he doesn't really – uh, apologize for any of his slow play or the way he approaches the game. He just kind of embraces it, which is kind of cool. And then uh, Kepka, I mean, he's finally starting to kind of embrace the heel of the PGA Tour by also calling out other guys. I kind of like that too. And it just kind of shows you that there are a lot of personalities that are floating around here, but you only hear like a handful of them. So I do appreciate that. So you want the um, PGA Tour personalities to – resemble more NFL personalities? No, I just think uh, it adds a little bit more. Like, you you will remember someone more if they show their personality. So if you're a casual golf fan, but you know that dude is going to blow up and, like, go psychotic if he tries to hit a 230-yard shot out of a bunker into uh, the wind and into the water, and then he looks at his, you know, you know something's going to happen, right? Like, I think people are more drawn into that type of uh, persona, than just guys playing golf and not really pushing the dial in one you way think or the other. Gu- you think too many guys are politically correct on tour? Yeah, I mean they're they're just trying to play golf and not really add the you know drama into it. I guess if you want to call it. Well, that. then I think that's a good that's actually a good topic because so the, the no bit, so bit, the no laying up guys we're talking about this a little bit today. Did you listen to the Eddie no, Pepperell episode? But, yet? No, but that, so. he's a prime example of that. But I would it's say I would say perfect. leading in what you what you said there saying okay you got this but I think it, it's the overtone of the announcers we have. Yep. They're so fucking boring. And they're so like oh he didn't do this right and they're just critiquing everything so perfectly. I'm like we need some guys in there that are like we need some Pat Perez guy in there. So this is exactly what they were talking about with Eddie Pepperell today. And so what what they were talking about was that the golf is basically polarized right now you have these like traditionalist boring guys that are trying to like maintain this like uppity reputation of golf but then you have this complete other opposite side of it that is like what makes golf could make golf entertaining so there because 
golf is struggling with this right now. For them to grow, they, they, people are starting to realize they have to turn it into entertainment. And that's why they're doing like these stadium holes and they're having these big sponsorship blowout things. I mean, every one of these tournaments now, like the night before, like they're doing like, it's like Super Bowl shit. They like bring in acts and they do concerts and crap. And like, they're trying to turn these into like big events that come into these towns. And so they're really leaning in on the entertainment, but then on the TV side, it's, it's like this polar so Michael, Michael, they're who trying you, to cater to the old crowd, right? Who, yeah. who would you put as an announcer? Really? That's a great question. Bob Menery? No, no, I, I, <laughs> no, no, I can't absolutely handle him right no. now. Um, but uh, I'm not going to comment. Yeah. Sorry about your breakup, Bob, if you're listening. Right. <laughs> you're pretty hard. Um, and you, you basically were predicting that to happen every time you posted a video of her. She's like, yeah. she's talking to another guy. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm going down a bottom memory <laughs> hole right here. But uh, no, I would do almost. I less. will tag him. I, in, in, so Shane, Shane Bacon is really good. Yep, and uh, I think Shane's he brings. Um, I think he brings kind of the uh, younger type of more in touch with the younger golf fan perspective on things. And he doesn't over talk. He kind of lets things happen while it's happening and uh, kind of in, enhance the moment. But really what they need to do is just mic the players and capture all the dialogue between the caddies and the players. And you could fill up the entire space with just that and you would be blown away by just everything that's going on right there. And the prime examples of that, if you go to like the Masters a couple of years ago with Spieth and his caddy on 13, they cut away for commercial. But if you were on uh, the Masters Live, you got to capture that entire thing. And it's fascinating the way they discussed every type of situation with the club or the shot they were going to select. And to the hardcore fan, like, you know, inject that in my veins. To the casual one, I could see it being a little boring. But I still think it, if you have personality and you're capturing the moment and the thought process and like you're not afraid of capturing a you know an f bomb here or there i think it would really add a really cool dynamic to the broadcast by just letting these guys you just get into the mind of these guys more often than you know you let's say azing azing or <laughs> saying this is the biggest moment for Rory McIlroy's career, even though he's a major championship winner, right? You know, it's like he's bringing in some sort of artificial uh, yeah. element to it, which well, these guys are... I mean, what happens, and I've said, I've, you and I have had this conversation about the NBA, and I, I think there's probably even more money and power, with, or just as much money and power with these guys uh, in professional golf as well. What happens when Phil and Tiger go, hey... We are going to create our own tour, and we are going to just live stream it all, and we're not going to give any money to freaking NBC or whatever else, and we are going to do exactly that. And we're going to invest in, and we're going to, sponsors are going to show up all day, and their purses could be just as big, if not bigger, because you don't have to pay NBC anything, right? You basically cut out the freaking middleman, and it all goes on freaking YouTube or Hulu or Netflix or you name the network that, that wants to live stream it. We're, we're going to shift in 10 years, and I think this is why golf also realizes that like, they, they need to become an entertainment piece just as much. So, you know, also, I mean, I was listening to – so Tony Romo was on, I don't know, some other freaking golf podcast. Here's another example of somebody that uh, 
is in, in like like a, in the same vein of like a Faraday or whatever else. But they're they are bringing a viewpoint in the game that is different. It's unique to how they used to play it, how they used to think of it. Like I don't need more better than most dudes. I don't even what what's that fucker's name? Anybody anybody know? I mean I I'm not that even in better than most. That's um Exactly. Better well, than it most. Was Johnny Miller and the other guy. I know who's yeah. the other. It wasn't guy? Gary Cook, was it? Yes, uh, it's Coke. Cook, Cook, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. How, how about in? Here's the thing. I don't need any more of those dudes. I need Nick Faldos. I need. You I need, need guys need, that play need, the game. You need Jeff Van Gundy. You need Bill Walton's. That's what you need. Hey, look. Right. There's not people. The people don't like those guys, but they get people in there. But personalities are drawing because they stay stupid shit. And and Tony Romo's become an acquired taste for me in the NFL. He really has. Like, like I'm not a ma- I, I'm not a major fan of that guy, but I I'll but, listen to him. But th- I'm interested in what he has to say because he's like, I know he tries to predict the play, like what's going to happen or whatever, but like nobody else can do that. Jim Nance can't fucking do that. I will. Part of me thinks too that when you're watching a broadcast and 20 years ago, you relied on their eyes and ears for everything that was going on. So they could cut away to commercial and you would get the replay shots, and but it would be all new to you. But now we have. PJ Live, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got all these different channels that yeah, are I can plugging ch- you. I in. can check the leaderboard from my phone and just keep hitting refresh and know like who's leading. So I think people are if you listen you don't to have no, to watch. If you listen to No Laying Up, they're really critical of all of the broadcasts, right? Because they yep. cut away from commercials, they always tape shots. They're not really they're trying to create a storyline based on old technology where we're already kind of watching the storyline unfold on Twitter and everything. We just want to see what's happening, what we're reading or what we're absorbing in a different media. And it's frustrating because it, it just is like they show three shots and then they go to commercial and then and they cut to tiger again. And then they'll, yeah. And they'll go to tiger or they'll bring up the FedEx cup points right. in the middle of March and no one gives a shit about yeah. that. And oh, and they'll talk about the next tournament, the, by the way, like this bugged the shit out of me, and I know I I saw a number of people mentioning this. They didn't talk about the Masters on the players' coverage up until Sunday. Like it almost wasn't even talked about. Like prepping for the Masters and the fact that the Masters was a week away because the Masters is on what CBS. Yeah, and the players what on this week was on what channel? NBC, but the, NBC. Uh, the women's amateurs on NBC, I think, which is really interesting because you'd think CBS would have that uh, <laughs> the rights to that. Which I, I, I just, I just, it's it's a very political, it's very yeah. money driven, it's yeah. very ad driven, that kind of thing. Well, and I it, think it's, about who the consumer's starting to get bothered by it. Is well, all I'm saying. Think about it this way too: NBC, I think, is the and I could be butchering this but i feel like they have a lot of the fedex cup tournaments yep and they're promoting it early so you won't forget about it but yeah. no one gives a shit but like who, nobody gives a shit about who, pl- who golf is, playoffs yeah. who yeah. is the guy that is not allowed back at the masters uh, gary mccord yeah gary mccord mm-hmm. he like he, he's live fast as a baby's he, he's so, like uh, it was like uh and it's funny you mentioned that because if do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and just start watching all the final rounds that um, Masters.org has posted. You can watch them commercial free. So I went to that one in particular, 
because I was like, God, you heard this when I was younger, like McCord got banned for life. What did he say? And it's really not that bad, uh, which is kind of a... What did he say? I wish I wrote it down, but it was like, it, it almost was like the, he said these greens got a bikini wax the night yes, before. Yes, bikini wax. Or something like that. He referred to the greens That's so all fast. That's yeah, They're so fast, they, it's like they got a bikini wax or something That's like that. really yeah. all he said? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I know. It's pretty That's crazy. That's a joke. You know, he, he, master, but he's so. the type of personality we're talking about here that can actually, you know, get viewers' attention because the guys... Because no. if... Yeah, look, him and Faraday? Look, yeah, great. Faraday's great. What we try to do here is try to relate things to the regular golfer. Yes. And, and when you listen to a lot of these guys, these, you know, Gary Cope and even what, Paul Azinger, people that are just regular, you know, run-of-the-mill, like golfers, and people get into it, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They don't. Yeah. They, well, they don't understand. And, and on the other end, like, this is why I hated Johnny Miller. That guy thought he was so amazing and he knew so much about golf. That like he almost was like, I like it, he Charlie, was though. he was I it, actually did he I was like so Charlie. arrogant about it he's like well he's now gonna do like a one yard probably cut here and I'm like dude nobody can relate to your commentary at all but he was golf's version of Bill Walton no no Bill Walton no, did, no 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 Bill well, Walton is much more hated that I, dude fucked well, terrible I, no no I agree but Bill with two <laughs> Bill with two L's but you know what he actually got people listen like you see ratings. With him I when know. he was commentating, I guess. people well, listen. I think people. I think a lot of old people, and this goes back to why golf on TV is kind of dying. Here's the thing: the the people that watch golf on TV right now, they are old, 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 and they are going to start falling off, and the ratings of golf on TV are going to die, and somebody has to reinvent it. Well, I you compare the ratings, I I would guarantee from Johnny Miller to Paul Azinger this year because that's his replacement. Yep. It's gonna, it's gonna just. It, I bet you'll be it won't 10, matter. 15 it won't, percent less. It won't matter. No, it won't matter. I don't think it. I no. don't think anyone really. People would aren't. People that. aren't tuning in for Johnny Miller. No. No, I did, look. I'm not no. saying they were, but it, I bet you if there's some type of metric that's measured for commentary, I, which they I, probably I, fucking have. I will. I will be very curious. But to me, that I don't think you can hang that on the hat of the commentator. I think you hang that on the hat on the popularity of golf in general. I think you, yeah, but you this is even, but this is all we're talking about. Everything contributes to that. But but who? What casual golf fans tuning in for Valspar when they know the Masters is a couple weeks away? They're going to yeah. tune into the Masters. It doesn't matter who the commentator is. They're there for the tournament. Yeah, but who's going to be commentating the Masters? It's going to be, you know, Tony Romo. <laughs> That's actually there. You go. That, That's a I good think, idea. I think Jim Nance would love that. Actually, that's I, a good idea. I actually wouldn't mind Tony Romo commenting on golf, other than God, he was a boring interview. On I, I will send you guys this podcast. I can't even tell you who does it. Who does it? But it's a couple of golf pros, I think, in Texas. But um, uh, they're big like Dallas Cowboy fans, so they somehow got him on. But um, hold on, uh, I want to watch, watch this two iron Tiger's getting ready to hit. Right. Oh, we're watching. We're watching replay hold of on. Tiger on golf. Channel. Anybody that's gonna hit a two iron off the second cut? 2018, dude. I love He's two back. irons. Let's He's watch. Back. How old? A timeout. Did you ever? Did you ever carry a two iron, John? No. Michael? No. Two hybrid. Fucking pussies. <laughs> well, up until like uh, probably five years ago, I was playing with. Um, your dad's Tommy, old club, Tommy Armor, yeah. eight forty five graphite yeah. shaft. Your dad's old, like hand me down, yeah, eight five five. Yeah. yeah, you didn't. Did, when did you pick up golf, Michael? It's a great question. Uh, so I was a wannabe meathead and played football, 
And so I would play casually growing up with my dad and my brother. Like we would, you want to go sentimental route. Brookshire had a twilight rate. We would have one cart for the three of us and we would jump on and play as many holes before the sun went down. And you could tell my dad and I sucked and then my brother was actually the talent of the family. So it was kind of fun just getting out there with them, spend some time. And I would say really, I would just play golf to enjoy it. Um, and I had a lot of, uh, opportunity to play at Woodland, but when I got my license, the course closed. So I just couldn't go over there all the time and practice probably in those really formative years. Like you're 15, 16, 17. It didn't close. It was being redone. Driving range closed. The driving range closed. They had (laughs) a putting green. So, uh, like I couldn't just pick up and go to hit balls during that time when I feel like a lot of. Teenagers really pick up the game is during that time. And then uh, in the summertime, you know, football would take over in July. So I couldn't really handle both at the same time. So Wannabe did you have, but he, did you actually have interest in it? Yeah, I liked the game. So I, to answer your question, sorry to be long winded there, I would say probably three or four years ago is really when I kind of like honed in on really getting better at the game. Like equipment, doing some research on that, getting some lessons, really kind of studying the game more, I guess you would call it like that. Like just taking more appreciation of certain aspects of it instead of just going out there and trying to piecemeal a game together and getting lucky every now and then. Well, it so. make, I mean, it makes sense. You're an analytical guy. Like the, the way you look at things, I, I mean, the, and the way that you've approached the game, even in the last probably like year and a half, is like totally different. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. All bullshit. I think you are going to improve. It's going to keep happening. Oh, dude. It, no, I 100% believe it. Because the way you're... You're, you're, you're putting in the time, man. You're putting in the time. Well, awesome. here, technology helps, too, because... Um, Your misses you, aren't as bad. Well, it. if you would have looked at my swing, um, like, the four or five years ago, it was awful. And um, I think part of the problem was that... Um, the technology to to record your swing and to be able to analyze it, you would have to do it at a professional level where they had all the software to do it. And you don't really get a good sense of how to correct bad habits unless you have that technology, which was extremely expensive. Right. So uh, an iPhone works, and you can slow it down, and you can pause position and get real-time um, real time uh, analytical um, uh, analysis, right? So, like, you're getting all that right. while you're at the range, and you don't you need, don't have to like set up a video camera right. on a tripod to do that, and anymore, then go to right? a laptop and then like click it, like slow it down, right. and like draw lines. You can do this all on your phone now. So, with Good that point. and like having you know people who are trying to be um, influencers in the game, so you got. You know George Gankus. You've got um, you've got a couple other guys that are just really dominated on uh, Instagram, just handing out free advice on golf swing. Uh, you can now compare your swing to the tips that they're giving daily, and kind of implement that in your own strategy. So again, this is like I've got technology on my side now. So when I go to the range and I have some random dude who I don't know videotape my swing. I can watch that on repeat and kind of figure out what I'm doing wrong while reinforcing the good swing techniques from the guys that are giving it out for free, essentially. So 
I I think that's really added to my ability to to help my game out, um, just kind of with the technology that's available now. So, and I mean, you can take it a step further with TrackMan. I mean, and give you real time data, but I don't know what I'm looking at, and I don't really care because when I hit it out into a driving range, I can get kind of the feedback that I need to get. I, 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 I almost want to, and I know I know um, Kyle has a track man, and he can take it out to the range. I would almost rather have the track man at the range. So not only do you get that feedback, but like I feel like every time I've hit into He'll some... He'll do it. You just have to ask him. He'll do well, it. Well, I've got a lesson with him uh, later this uh, spring, but um, I'm going to have him do that for specifically. Just be like, hey, let's bring this out. Let's set that up because every time I've done a simulator or done a TrackMan or looked at spin or looked at whatever it is, it's always I'm hitting into a screen. I want that like natural swing where I'm like not trying to like pound it into a screen and I actually see the ball flight and then look at the data to be like, wow, does that all match up kind of thing. So, well, very I, good here's, point, Michael. here's one thing I think I can relate with Michael is like Mark's been playing golf since he's been young. So, like your approach is just different on how you improve because you've got muscle memory. I don't. I mean, I, I didn't really pick it up at like at all. Well, am, I about, am I a body swinger or am I an arm swinger? I just I need to figure that out. It just depends if your sciatica nerves messing with yours. <laughs> I can't figure him I'm, out. I'm I'm totally going back to this Eddie Pepper. I, you guys have to listen to this. No laying up Eddie Pepper. Well, well listen, but it, but I can say that like just not picking it up, but. What I when I approach things like the way you're thinking about analytical, I wanted to like understand the game first. So I read like five fundamentals of golf, and I went and you know read golf books, and because lessons really doesn't click with me. That it just mm-hmm. I don't. When someone tells me certain thing, it just doesn't click. Same I don't, here. I, I just don't like it. I like to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. But the thing that like ended up resonating and helping the most is, you know, I started out like an 18 handicap and I belonged to a club in St. Louis and I started playing with some guys that are really low handicaps and they just kind of took me along and played and as long as I kept up, it was fine, but they were like, get good at your short game. Just mm-hmm. get good at your short game. Everything else comes around better. And like, Mark is just, he's good at his short game. He can chip, he can get out of sand, he puts According well. to Michael, that's one of my weakest parts of my game, but. No, that's why you are confident. Your shitty parts, your off the tee is. Just He's <laughs> really good at putting and coming up with a creative shot. But if it's right off on the collar or fringe, uh, just be prepared for a. For a chili dip. Be prepared for a chili dip. It shocks me every time because I'm like, how? Why are Why are you doing this? You're You're way better of a golfer. But no, I. I think you know by going through this and just picking up, you know bits and pieces here like you said the lessons are difficult if you can't reinforce good behavior on a daily basis right i mean you you pick it up you swing well like maybe 20 times and then you go home and you forget about it then you pick up a club and you're swinging like you did prior to that right it's really hard to uh continue on down that path unless you're getting like a 10 lesson package right which is very it's expensive but 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 here's another here's another like like you said, reinforcement, but it comes down to confidence. So if you do something on the range, like, oh, that's great, but you can't implement it around other golfers, it's fucking useless. Yeah, totally. So you need your confidence level to raise. And when you, and I found the best part in, in the part that anybody can get better at a short game. Yeah. Anybody can. 
well, if we, you get we, com- if you get confident in that, that's going to help you in your game. We it's all have our we all have our like mental, you know, like demons, right? So like, we're, there's something that whether you step up on that first tee and you're thinking to yourself, "I'm going to snap hook this thing freaking out of bounds" or whatever it is, like it's the best players, and and maybe maybe like Dustin Johnson right now, for example, is the guy that just knows how to like manage those freaking demons better better than anybody else. Because all those guys out there have pretty good swings. They've earned it. But, like, he figures out a way to, like, step up to, let's say, 16 out of 18 holes and look at a tee shot and go, I'm good with that. I'm comfortable looking at this hole. Like Rory on 18 to rip that driver. Oh, my God. Yeah. Perfect example. But do you know how many, like, think about the number of rounds of golf where you, you peg one up, you step up, and you, you, you have a target, but you look up there and it's, how many times does it feel fantastic that you're like, I got this? Maybe two, versus two times out of the entire right. Routine. Versus like, I got to really manufacture a swing that puts one in play here. And there, and I mean, if I take obviously with us belonging to a club and all being members and playing it as frequently as we do, you start to get more and more comfortable. But there, there are a number of holes out there, and I guarantee you, what is one hole right now at Chatham that when you step up to the tee? You never ever feel comfortable on that freaking tee box. What tees? Doesn't matter. <laughs> that matters a lot. Well, whatever. Time out. Nine. Like, Nine's a totally fine. different tee box from back. So, so from from nine from the back tee, you pick the tee. From nine from that, you never feel comfortable on that tee box. I don't feel great. Yep. I mean, but I that's look why, at and that's but, one. But my and approach. Here's the thing. But my approach I, is that's not a hole that bothers me. That's what's so interesting. We all have our demons. Nine really yeah. fucks with you. Do you know what? Fu- but you, you guys know you, one fucks I, with me. I, I know because I've don't, hooked it out of bounds how many times. I don't think you. I mean, you you just like are a better swing and golfer than me. I just look at. I go up to every hole and I just put it in my mind. It's like I'm gonna fucking rip it. I just want to rip it. But it's, I don't feel. I was no, like, I know what I it's, know it's, what the history but of it it's is. A mental. My point is, it's a mental and visual type of picture you put in your head. Like number six never intimidates me. I peg it up, and I I know there's out of bounds left, and I've even put it out of bounds That's left. That's such an and easy I know, goal. but they, exactly, there's nothing about it. I freaking swing for the fences on that, and I don't matter. And you know the other hole that I do that f- is uh, uh, fifteen. Yep, fifteen. I know there's a big fucking lake there, but, but I don't can, even care. You know you can get over it. I know I can get over it, it even yeah. if I. I don't like that pull one. Up, oh, see this thing. Everybody's different. I like it a little bit. I don't know. It just depends Every, on him. But the thing, everybody's different. So thirteen is that you can rip too. I, I'm so bad that yeah, every pretty much, pretty every much. hole, it, it it doesn't matter if I actually rip one off the tee. I still fear the next. You shot. fear every shot. See, this is what's so unique about every golfer. Change why that I brought this, year. Well, this yeah, is why I, I brought yeah. this up is yeah. that it, what you have to do is figure out a way. And I don't, and, hey, I don't have the answer, but I started to think about this a little bit more last year. And that, um, is there a shot, like a go-to shot that I can have on the tee box? And you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. like not hitting driver, right? Like yep. and things like that. But is there a shot I can go to on tee boxes that eliminates the demon that I have? So you think it starts, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to do on courses you play a lot, right? So like if you have a home course and you play it a lot, I think it's a lot easier to do where you go, Hey, you know what? I have a demon on number one. I have a demon of freaking snap hooking it to the left. And what in my head now I'm thinking is like... Sorry, Chris. Right? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chris. 
Um, what I'm thinking in my head right now, and I've, what I've been thinking is like, what club can I put in my hands there to hit a cut that there's no way it's going freaking left? Well, what, what's, what's the problem with just approaching and say, look, acceptance. If you hit it out, accept it. It's I'm, fine, but well, just go into a thing. I'm going to rip it down the middle. Put that in your mind. Well, I'm, I'm just saying you got to have a go-to shot. I agree with you there, too. Like, who accept gives it. a shit? Accept who gives it. a shit if it goes there? But, like, I, need a, I also need a shot so that when I... So I can say, demon, fuck you. I'm going to hit a little baby cut here, and there's no way that thing's going left. Well, see, like here's, it, here's the difference like between... I think you need to rip, because you have distance. You I don't, Analytics. But I don't need distance on number one, and so, this is where Michael and I yeah, were talking about. So I don't need it. This is the difference between probably you and John and I, is because you're like, I'm going to play fade. I just want to swing it, like smoothly and make good contact. I don't really care if it fades or if it draws. That's how well, bad of a golfer Ma- I am. Dude, that's, that I'm in agreement exactly, with you. Here's the thing. That's exactly why you're on the show, Mikey. Because yeah. here's the, the difference. It, we, we have a we have a, a ten almost ten yard or a ten stroke difference between our games for the most part, yeah. right? Like eight to ten stroke difference between our games. But I like that's his, it, that's, I like your mental approach. There, exactly. Yeah. I love your mental approach so, too. Because you're like, dude, I just want to hit it solid. In a perfect that's awesome. In a perfect world, I will tell you, if I go out and have the best round, and we we did kind of have this happen where um it's not necessarily like if did I hit it two eighty, who gives a shit? I want to play golf. Like, I know that sounds funny, but I want to play the game. I don't want to get caught up in the mechanics. I just want to play angles. I want to put myself in positions where, you know, the hole was designed to attack a flag from a certain angle. I want to, you know, take risks when I feel comfortable doing it. So taking it over. Mad scientist part two over here. Like on 15, right? Your risk reward for uh, a golfer from the blue tees is to cut the angle off of the dog leg and go over the lake. But if you cut it too much and you don't have enough distance, you're going into the water. But if you know that your dead pole is going to clear it, like just swing away. It's fine. Like I like thinking about holes that way. And I think that's part of my whole journey of becoming a better golfer is like, taking the course and kind of absorbing how it was designed because there was a lot of thought that was put into it. Uh, prior Where, to where's your best miss? Yeah. And like Wolf run really, Where, or where's like, it okay to miss? Right. Wolf run really kind of opened my eyes to that because if you attack, it head, yeah, right. God, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, if you attack it or if you would have attacked it at the pin every time, there's danger lurking everywhere, but there's a way to get to every green safely. And I found that out by playing with kind of the local non-official pro that like gave lessons. And I went and was like, I just want to have a playing lesson with you. I want to see how you attack this hole. And he looked at, you know, like I go, just tell me exactly what you're thinking about when you step up to the shot. It was a drive. It was a pro shot. It was chipping and putting. And it really kind of opened my eyes because, like, he was looking at things I didn't really give too much attention to. And he's like, look at this way. If you play it this to the right, you have an angle into the green. So if you miss it, you have a play to get it up and down. He goes, you're playing it all just attacking the pin. You think you're Tiger Woods and can take it over the top of things. And you don't know how tall the or how much of a rise there is to the green. So on and so forth. So it's like, wow, that was really kind of eye-opening for me. So, yes, in a perfect, like, world, like, I'm just swinging, but I'm, like, the ball is going kind of where 
I want it to go and not necessarily, I don't have like mishits, right? Because that kind of drives me crazy because then I start to drill down into my swing like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong there? And that's like a slippery slope for me is like, you think, Mike, way too much yeah. when you're on that goal. You just need to say, hey, there's a target and I'm going to hit it at it. I mean, because you, you have the game, you have the distance. You're just thinking so much. Is Sorry. that really going through your mind? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You should imagine what, wow. what's going through his mind just regularly on a daily basis with his life. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's, that's another that's podcast. That, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother. That's, but I'm talking. That's, that's a whole different. On the uh, golf course. I mean, jeez. Well, hey, dude. My head's hey, spinning. Golf, dude, yeah. golf is life, man. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the best metaphor. It's, I, I agree to a, to, a, to a point. It's a, it's a metaphor for aspiration. Yeah. That's the, different, yes. different to no. a, like a no, simile you, of like what it's uh, like. Because dude. you, if you take all the shit you're doing in your life and you bring that over to your, your golf game, good no, luck. My point, no, my point is, is golf is just, it's, it's a game of hits and misses, as is life. And, and so every now and then, you might even miss hit a shot, but it ends up okay. And every now and then you frickin' flush one, but maybe it frickin' flies over the green right. and you're pissed about it, is my point. So, like, even when you miss hit it or you hit one right, sometimes things don't pan out exactly the way you want them to be, regardless of the way you played that, it. But that's Mike, why Mike, I throw Mike, the analogy. Mike in there. was talking about like a strategy. That's a no, storyline. But that's a storyline. It. No, it's my, different. My point is with Mike, is the way Mike treats golf is the same way. That he looks at life, and maybe just I know him well enough because he's my brother-in-law. That like he's an analytical dude. He's gonna look at it that way. He's looking at the numbers. He's looking at the percentages. He's looking at, you know, what are my odds in this particular situation. He's he's excited about the geometry of it because he's a, he's a numbers guy. He's a freaking math guy. That's cool. And you know what? Bryson's the same way. We've just talked about him as well. And I'm totally fine with that because everybody approaches life differently. And everybody's going to approach golf differently. There's two spectrums. You've got uh, Bryson, and then you've got DJ. And Bryson's going to be analytical. Like, he's going to take a sleeve of golf balls and dump them in water and see how they spin because not every golf ball's made the same, and he wants to get the purest golf ball for his playing round. And you got DJ, who's probably handed some tailor-mades before he gets onto the golf courses and, and probably just says, thanks. Thanks. So, uh he just—he's like you. He just wants to beat to beat the shit out of it. But hold on, hold on. I'm look. I'm a finance and accounting major. I, I mean, I work for. I, I, I'm analytical by my my brain. It's what I do for a living, just like you, Michael. I could tell you that if Bryson tells you like his planning before how he approaches it is all that, and I believe that. But when he goes into his mode of going for that golf shot. I can 100%, I bet you, I guarantee you, he's not going through the, what's it, the seven points, whatever the hell it is. 747? 747. He's not um, doing that. I would disagree with you. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there, too. He's not. There's no way. Have he is no way he can be thinking about that many things at one time and actually um, and execute. Um, all right, we're, we'll, we're going to revisit that topic, and we're going to try to get Bryson on here to talk about his uh, <laughs> that golf won't swing. Happen. Uh, it, I don't know. He's pretty generous I, with his I, time. Well, I, that won't happen. It's either that or Fortnite. Fortnite. It's either that or Fortnite. I think he likes talking uh, to human beings I, every now and then. I, 
I'm gonna work. All right, I'm gonna reach out to Bryson, and we're gonna do. I'm gonna play hard. You think one. he's thinking about seven, eight different things when he takes his back swing? I think he's thinking about a lot of stuff. Yes. And I, I think. And okay. Here, and here, here's your. And I'm gonna. And we'll end on this topic of conversation with. I think you also think about seven to ten different things when you're taking the club back too. That's a whole nother topic for conversation. We're gonna end it at that. I'll, I'll here's one last point. Yeah. I think I got better when understanding that nothing's gonna go as planned on the golf course and that you yep. just have to kind of like, like life. You just have to figure it out yep. as you just go. Just like life. And enjoy it, the fact that it's never gonna go as planned. Yep. Just like That's life. That's golf, man. Last, just like life. Last comment, and I agree with you, Michael, hundred percent. It's acceptance, but you read. Uh, you know I read a lot. You read about mm-hmm. any of the great golfers, mm-hmm. I can tell you they go in a different mode. Mm-hmm. It's reaction. It's yep. go through your routine. Why do you think these guys create a routine? Yeah. It's because if you don't create a routine, then you have to think about it. No, you, uh, uh, no I all day. There's, all right. there's, not, there's just not I, to I love you. this topic, obviously. If you ever listen to Phil Mickelson talk, though, it'll blow your brain. I mean, like he's like he's Dyson. a he's a rare he's just he's, he's Dyson or Bryson Dyson he is Bryson before Bryson was even yes, Bryson. I would like, agree with that. Like he he just to give you an example of like kind of the stuff I've listened to him talk about. Like, have you, you seen the recent like Instagram and Twitter yes, freaking post yes. with him on the short game? Yes, but like he will tell you the on fil- the- sixteen at Augusta if you're on the lead. Oh no! This was actually Bones talking about this. Bones is so dialed in with him that if he hits like 180, you know, whatever club he hits, a like whatever 16, I guess is. I think that's like 160 to 180 in total distance. He will club down if he knows he's in contention because he knows his he's heart juiced. rate. He is going to freaking jack that normal club off the planet. So. Yeah, I know they get in the zone and routine and have a plan, but like it's situational. Every I've heard time. that from several yeah. golfers. Yeah. Though that's yeah. that's that's just being but smart. He, but he like will go to the even further. Be like, oh, the it's early in the day and the dew on the ground is causing friction oh, with he the clubhouse. I mean, it's nuts. He takes it to another level. All right, so, all right. Yeah, Dude, great topic. conversation, yeah. guys. Um, I think you know f- from a perspective of how amateurs relate to golf, how amateurs relate to pros, how amateurs relate to, you know, even how we watch golf and how we play golf in comparison. There's, there's so much to talk about in that space. And I'm, I like where we're going here, Michael. Um, we might have to have Michael on as a more of a regular guest. Data guy. Yep, because he just because of the, the Analy- data stuff, analytics, the analytical piece. So I'll bring your um, subpar amateur point of view. Yeah, well, golf equation. Hey, whatever We're it takes, shitty man. Shitty golfers too. Um, we we need a little variety. I'm gonna kick your ass in super checks hockey here in a minute, though. But um, uh, I want to move on to another topic, though. So we were talking earlier before we started recording today about putters, and so um, I want to talk a little bit about. Obviously, there's there's uh, there's been kind of I would call it a movement um, to the claw grip. And there's also been a movement to this. Uh, what, what do they call it? The um, arm brace yeah, or like, the uh, it's anchoring. Anchor. The, yeah. yeah, the anchoring. Whatever. The arm anchoring. Um, I can't remember what's what is the terminology and, for that. And a mix of both. Is yeah. It, doesn't Adam Scott do both? He does. He kind of like it's like an arm. What is that called? I can't even think of the terminology on it. Anyway, so like there's that the the long essentially grip that that, that stretches all the way along your forearm. And then there's obviously been the movement for the claw. Uh, John, you've officially 
Well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm maybe officially I'm committed. Stretch. No, I'm committed. You're committed. I like that. All right. So John has committed to the claw for the year. Michael's experimenting with the claw and every, has a little bit. Dip my toe in every now and then. Okay. So, um, you know, I have been, and you guys, I mean, how long, how long have I been doing the claw, Michael? I feel like um, every round is different with you, depending on how you feel, which you're a good enough golfer to implement a new strategy. Since high school, right? Yeah, I've been I've been doing the claw for ten years, but okay, yeah, every round's different. So I thought you did it, picked it up in high school. Uh, no, I've been doing so in high school. I went left hand low, so See, I had. You experiment with a lot of things. No, no, hey, well, I mean, if we want to go way back, I've experimented with a lot of things. So, in high school, I went to left hand low. Okay, that Jordan. was with uh, what? Okay, Jordan. Yeah, right, Jordan. Um, I went left hand low, and that was because. So you've been exclusive claw for ten. 10 years. You haven't changed in 10 years. Haven't changed in 10 wow. years. And um, there was a grip that came out, and it was, it was before Superstroke, and it was called the two-thumb grip. Oh, yeah. You've seen it, mm-hmm. right? It's on the Yes Putter. Mm-hmm. And this was probably like, it was close to 10 years ago, probably. I guess, right? When Yes Putters were cool. Right, when Yes Putters were cool, probably about 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. And uh, I put this two-thumb grip on there, and I thought that would be cool because I could put... Both hands kind of like essentially like praying together. It'd be a very pendulum stroke, not one above the other. Um, so I wouldn't have to have the left hand low or whatever. And then, uh, and, and maybe this wasn't 10 years ago. I'd have to like look back in archives or whatever. But uh, so Chris DeMarco, what makes that run with Tiger in uh, the Masters? And we're, we're YouTube, <clears throat> right? It's fantastic. But we're we're no. approaching we're approaching master season, so I think this is this is why this is an appropriate conversation. And I see that he's putting with a claw saw, whatever the heck kind of grip. And I think there's obviously been variations that have everybody's kind of using now. Um, uh, that just this past week, I think uh, um, it was uh, Ollie Schneiderjens. Like, I mean, he barely had like a finger on the club with his right hand. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was just a totally different type of, claw. it's still like a claw style grip, but like he barely even touched the club with his right hand. So the point is, this has become popular. This has become exciting. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, John, you, you just started experimenting with this last week for the most part, correct? Correct. So John's texting me and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying the claw out. And he goes out and he, you shoot like 84. Do you? What did you shoot on well, the fir- your first round when you traveled down to Florida there? Well, um, so no, 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 don't defend. What did you shoot? An eighty. Do you want me to explain? All right, so Mark? an eighty. I mean, you want to get no, in my head and explain no, the story? I, I, I mean, want. I'll, no. I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll lay so it out. Shot, she shoots an eighty, and then I, t- I I text you back and I say stick with it. And what did you shoot the next day? Seventy three. And now you can tell your story. Okay. My point is, Thanks, Johnny. is that uh, th- I, pre- I appreciate that. Okay, Johnny Miller over here. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'll give I'll I'll give Mark credit for the encouragement, <laughs> and, all him. and and also, you know, stick with it. And he he actually hit things right on the head of what I was having issues with. With it, it was distance control Pace. Yep. because the first round that I played, I, I I think I had five or six three putts, and I actually hit a couple like six seven footers that like that oh, felt really good, mm-hmm. and then like you know the tougher ones, the, the ones that knee knockers, but you know, 
Now, so, you, now you switched to a new putter as well, correct? I did, an even roll ER8. Um, More of like a mallet kind of, and you were playing a Adele? Adele. It was kind of a little bit of a mallet style, smaller. I don't even know what that's called. It's kind of in the mid. So, um, I, but well, like Mark said, I said, you know, you get a little more used to it, make a couple little tweaks. And then the next round, I, I had, you know, four or five birdies and I didn't have any three putts. You know, that's probably, you know, a little bit of just luck that just happened for the second round. But I'm just gonna, I'm committed to stay to it, stay with it. I think that I, I think you're always going to have a little issue with like lag putting with it. I, I, that's what, I just don't have as much feel. Maybe that's just up front. And you, and you know, I see Mark shaking his head, yeah. So maybe it's up front right now because I just don't feel like I have yep. like a two hand feel. Yep. When you go to the the claw, it feels like it's more just one hand. Yep. It's your left, and that's it. And so that's that's like your well, distance. You're you're, like, you're you're eliminating one piece of the equation, right? Like that. That's why I've always kind of liked it when I switched to it. I'm like, this makes a ton of sense because you're if. If one hand is essentially really controlling the club, you're you're and, and eliminating is a strong term, but you're reducing the odds that the other hand takes over the stroke and overcompensates, undercompensates, whatever. So like you you've you've you're, it's a percentages game. Michael probably likes this as well, right? So like um, if let's just say you have ninety percent. If if you can, especially as you build over time and you practice it, if you feel like ninety percent of what you're doing is one arm, then the other 10% can only fuck it up so much. I'm, at, I'm interested like hearing your perspective, Michael. So you say you're tinkering a little bit. So what, what is your idea with putting? Is it, is it, I'm getting more. It's not as very important with the grip. It's repeating the same stroke. It's learning how to, um, it's a speed putt, you know, like learning how to, I, I, I guess I can equate to this. Like, I don't think a claw is really going to change the way I putt unless I really understand the fundamentals of putting and like knowing, kind of reading the green a little bit better and kind of understanding that first and foremost and knowing kind of how the ball is going to react to the break and then trying to replicate a, a, a swing with the putter to put myself in the best situation to hit that line. So Mark's already gotten to that point, right? He's already tinkered with a claw. Like, I'm still trying to get the fundamentals down of being able to, like, walk a putt out and see the line, and I'm more concerned about that. What I do tinker with is just practicing my swing, and it kind of allows your arms to move in a different manner than you if you continue to do the two-hand traditional grip on a putter. So um, it's interesting. I, I did side saddle for a round just to, you know, dick around with that because Bryson was doing it and was causing all sorts of shit with the PGA Tour, and... Uh, that did not work out well, even though it was fun to bug everybody by doing that. So, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think all the grips now are getting a little crazy. I have actually retained my uh, Scotty Cameron rubber grip that's, like, More small. standard. Yeah, standard that came with the putter. Uh, I've tried to put a big grip on it, and I just uh, have no, no desire for it. And yep. I've had the same putter for probably seven or eight years now. So. You know, do you know why I used the grip I had? It was what I read. You remember, you ever heard of Bobby Locke? Mm-hmm. He was like revered as the best putter ever. Yeah. And I, that's why I used his grip. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. I mean, he was like back in the, what, 
twenties and thirties. Yeah, way back. You're a real student of the game. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. But no, and, it I didn't mean, equate. It did not. I, hey, I've, <laughs> I've I've been I've been I've I've never been afraid, and maybe this is just part of my personality. And Michael knows me long enough to know this as well. But it's been part of my personality. I've never been afraid to like buck against a trend a little bit, or to be an early adopter, one or the other. So, um, you know, when I saw uh, okay claw, oh, I'll try that, that kind of thing. When I saw left hand low, oh, I'll try that. Oh, I saw a big grip. Oh yeah, I'll throw that on there real quick. You and, even and, had a long putter. Yeah, and I even went with a long putter when that started to get kind of like hot you know, up until they freaking banned it. What's but, what's Jack's grip? What what was his grip? Um, he's just got a standard grip. Yeah. So you, you talk about the, you talk about but the, you talk, I thought Jack was a no, little the different. Gold, the golden bear. Yeah. What was his? What's his grip? Um, you only hear the story about '86 Masters where he picked up that prototype uh, I know. putter. Well, that and, giant yeah, putter. Yeah, yeah. Now you know the interesting thing about Jack is is not as much about the club and the grip and whatever else because he obviously putted with a number of clubs through the years. Um, the interesting thing about Jack is that the the way he lined up and the way he set up to the ball was always extremely unique to me. And I've experimented with that over the years. I just haven't been able to. Um, was find he open on his stance a little bit? Extremely open, almost extreme, like side Extremely hunched over, like almost like crouched in there, to the point where it really was about to Jack. And the, and I I am not I'm not a student of Jack enough to know to know that all he knew. And this is um and this is a lot of I've read on golf and stuff like that. All he knew is. He picked a spot, and this is what I have read about Jack. He would pick a spot, and he would just try to roll it over that spot. And he was he he could read green. To your point, Michael, like reading greens, knowing where he needed to hit it, knowing the speed he needed. He knew how hard he needed to hit it and what spot he wanted to hit over. And all he did, and by where, however he set up to the ball and however he hit it, he just if he could try to hit his spot and from whatever way he was set up, he had success with it. And to to that degree. Lee Trevino always was a weird putter. Arnold Palmer, I think, had a weird freaking setup and stroke, in my opinion. The stance was odd. Absolutely. I, and I think there's plenty of people. We have a lot of technology today. We have a lot of devices. We have a lot of uh, coaches that are coaching a particular way of doing things that I think can create more consistency. We have spider putters that are these huge freaking spaceships with weights and shit like that that can help you do that. And don't get me wrong. I think a lot of that stuff can benefit putting. But at the end of the day, great putters read well, to your point, Michael, they know speed, and they find a way to hit it over their spot. It's not the grip. It, and I would equate, like, great putters to, like, three-point shooters. It's kind of yep. you have it or you don't. You, no, you, you, you have a spot, and you shoot. Like, to me, when I was shooting best when I played basketball, there were, I, could, I could literally pinpoint, and I don't know what night it was or whatever it was, and I'm not even that great of a basketball player, but you know how you're, like, you're, you're kind of in the zone in shooting? In the zone. Right. And there, I think any sport, you kind of get in the zone. I would get focused on almost a spot on the backside of a rim. And, dude, I would just make shit. And, it, you know, it's yeah. one of those things, I think, too, where if you can get dialed in on, like, a blade of grass or, again, that, that, that spot that you need to hit it over and you can roll it over that, you're going to have a good day. Um, I 100% agree. I think, um, I think we should uh, maybe segue into a little bit of... Um, our tasting? Our tasting. I All did. Right. I did want to ask Michael though one thing because we kind of skipped over right, it before we get to the tasting. Before we get to the tasting is, and we can. I want to ask you too, Mark. Is okay. We all heard the big contract with Mike Trout, four hundred thirty oh, yeah. million, twelve year deal. 
Yeah, we're, and so it got to Mark, Mark and I were talking offline uh, is, you know, what if you had contracts in golf? Um, and it doesn't even have to be a 12-year, but, like, if you sign, like, if a, somebody came up and signed and said, I'm going to pay this golfer for 10 years, this X amount, and then you split them out of money, how, how much would come in? I, I don't know dollar amounts of what you could put on that, but let's say, let's just, let's just equate it, though, to that contract was signed. Let's say, Michael, who would who you Who am I take? putting all my, who am I, who's my franchise golfer? Who is the guy you would sign long-term? Yeah, and we Who's, were, and, yeah. and would you sign? Would you even sign a golfer long term? Twelve, 12 years, twelve year, twelve year contract. Who would you sign right now? Golf would be really the only sport I would do that in. Oddly enough, I'm in agreement. Yeah. I said that to him today. Uh, it's the game that you can play over uh, between the age of like competitively. You can go from twenty, let's say, let's just cut it off there to 45, 50 years old. I mean, shit, how old is Phil? He's like 48, isn't who, he? Who was the best player three years ago? Uh, number one, uh, Jordan Spieth was probably... Who was the close. best player two years ago? Two years ago would be... Um, uh, probably Jason Day. Eh, was he? I think so. I think he... Uh, two or three years that ago. That or Rory. So, point is, is like... It changes every year. Well, how do you value someone like on the money list or like no, just by the number of tournaments they won. Majors. I think it comes down to money. Contracts come down to money. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is why this is. I think this is really, really challenging for golf. I look at like a Jordan Spieth, and I look at a Jason Day, for example, and those guys both had like two, three years ago. Each of them, whatever year they alternated from, and I can't remember which one it was because I don't. Golf Channel has those stats. No laying up, guys. They fucking rock to that stuff. That's fine. We don't prepare. We don't enough. do any research. We don't prepare for that stuff. Okay. Michael may be on the show more often just to prepare for this research. You might be just our research guy. Um, He's going to handle our draft. We're going to set up a draft right. for golfers. So he's going to handle this. My point is, is that where are those guys right now? They're good golfers. Are you signing twelve-year deals with them right now? I will say yes, and I will also say. Okay, who, who, so you, okay, okay Tiger, I, no, Tiger, I'm, I'm Tiger's won the yep, most amount I'm, of tournaments. I right? know where you're going with this. Right? Yep. You, you remember Tiger? Yep. He broke, was yeah, it I Sam remember Sneed's him. record? I remember him. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. But he broke Sam Sneed's all time record, right? Of just tournaments won. Is that correct? He hasn't done I'm, it yet. He hasn't done it yet? No, Are he you? hasn't yet. He had, so he's at he's 70, 80. 80, and he has to, he has to win, I think, one more. Okay. No one gives a shit about that stat. They always talk about the majors and him chasing Jack's major goal, right? It's the highlight. And he a, will never, he'll never match it. Well, I don't really care if he will or will not. But like you, if you measure a person based on just majors alone, a 12-year span is a perfect life cycle of that because they could get hot at a major, and you'll only remember who won the major. I mean, like Brooks Kepka is a prime example of just showing up. Something that doesn't rem- people don't remember, yeah. Well, yeah, he like, but he's like Azinger though. <laughs> like, look at the list of people who won U.S. Opens back to back. Right? It's like incredible stat. But, Curtis Strange. Yeah, was it was it Paul Azinger or Curtis? Curtis Strange. Curtis Strange. Uh, yeah, I get those two mixed up. They're yeah. both on Fox. Sorry, sorry, Curtis. Uh, but um, it's just the you'll fact learn. That, 
You'll learn. <laughs> uh, I don't really care. Uh, uh, I think I think you didn't get that reference. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna pull that up later. You, you, <laughs> I think you have to equate like what like we are like equate the contract to like money and like I think I know where you're going. It's consistency. My guy is gonna be the guy who's gonna earn the most majors during a 12 year span. I, oh, I, I thought you were going different. Well, no one remembers who won the money list. Like, but a contract, but a contract is money. Yeah, but think so if about you sign the, a contract, that's more important about money than than like. So I look at like money winners. Okay, so so Patrick Reed. That's not bad. That's not a bad. That's not I have bad. A lot, I have a lot of issues with him. Watch this play. I think right he's here. an. I think this he's is an a earner. replay of the Valspar. <laughs> he just put it up the hill. Watch this come back. Watch this come back though. Oh, bad, bad, bad radio. That's bad radio. Too bad. I think yeah. he's an earner though. So maybe a five year okay, deal. Okay, so. You let's call let's talk Bubba about Watson. let's talk about Bryce Harper, right? Everyone was yep. tripping over their dicks to get this guy, right? But it's because it's not how many games they win during nope. the regular season. They want to win World Series, man. Okay, well then that that backfires your your No, it doesn't. Your, no, no, yeah, no, 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 hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Hold on. So a guy that's on a team that signed pools for ten years. For three hundred million, that hasn't made the playoffs, but once since they signed him, have had Trout for three years, just signed him for four hundred thirty million dollars, hasn't won shit. Well, that's just bad uh, operations. What I'm saying is, if I'm investing personally, I'm getting the guy that brings you World Series all the time. Hundred percent, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. So, I hundred percent. But I also, I think. But if you're thinking about earning, like, so if you sign somebody on a contract, it's different though. With golf, if you thought about like, oh, I want this money winner versus like this World Series or majors, that you, I don't think you can no, put that to the here's same. No, here's what I want, man, and, and this is my marketing coming in on me. I want the guy who sells jerseys, puts butts in seats, and and generates opportunities for me to be on TV more often. That generates ad yeah, dollars. Yeah, you're you're looking at it as an investment. It's a Roy McIlroy. Yeah, that's a twelve year deal right there. Roy, I would sign him to that. I, I don't know about that. That's it's, who I would pick. I'm just saying, okay, and so, I don't know for sure. That's so who I. So if I had to do a 12 year contract, that's hey, who I'd I mean, pick. if you're rolling the dice right now, Roy's not a bad pick. That's who I would pick. Who you got, Michael? You got to pick one. I'm going Kepka. That's I like I like that too. That'd be my I second. Hate, I hate that because he has no personality. Speak would be my third. His, I, he has no personality. He's not likable. I don't like <laughs> it at all. He's not. Did you watch the parody interview? Not yet. I loved it. I liked it, but they had to cut in like old clips of shows to fill the hour because you know, like they asked him a question, they're like, "Holy shit, we can't, we can't put this." I will, I will make, I will make more money than any of you by buying Tiger, and I fucking hate Tiger. I think he's great for the game. I I, I don't, I don't think you're right. Here's the thing: I don't think. That uh, well, they have like he's in a wheelchair. I actually don't think he's even gonna win shit in the next twelve. What if he's in a wheelchair by the time he's forty six? He will. Here's the thing: he is forty three years old. He is gonna compete on the PGA Tour as long as he can swing a golf club. And even if he can't, he will make more money for golf than any other player. Well, you know what's funny is he'll make more money in the next four years probably than the next. Uh, you know, it's eight years of someone I, else trying I, to play I, over. I love the run he made. 
I think you'd was, sign him on a twelve-year deal. Fuck yeah, he'll he make won't it. be able to move. He'll make it, it doesn't six. matter. He'll make it he'll, back. He'll, in he'll like continue four years. to make golf. I'm a bigger Tiger fan than you, by the way. You I know, know that. Yeah. I don't even like Tiger. Here's the thing, though. If I'm investing my own money, I'm investing in Tiger Woods. What's crazy is uh, just after all these years, the injuries, the whole whatever escalade, November 2008. Oh, hey, morally, I have a problem investing I don't in really Tiger care. Woods, but I'm it's still, a, it's my money. The the fact that my he... <laughs> It's I don't and just some people are like this in the in the world right like you want to get philosophical like everything gravitates towards him and it, you could pick you know Michael Jordan or LeBron I'd hate to say that too but he's kind of our generation Michael like yep. things just go their way and they are they draw every type of personality their way and he has just been this force in the last polarizing. Time. whatever people love him people hate him but people tune in to see what he's gonna do and it's just been just it's awesome take a step back it's amazing like he's one of dude he's one of the first guys to ever show serious enthusiasm for fucking hole in a putt and the fact that he bombs it as long as he does yeah the fact that he is ripped like he is and he exercises like he does and he's the first golf athlete athlete and and he put himself in a position to be an athlete that then gets excited about golf, he changed the view of how people perceive golf. It's like, oh, an athlete does it? Oh, it, you can get excited about hitting a shot? That's amazing. And yeah, every now and then we saw guys raise their hands up because they hold stuff. He would get jacked about it. It's like he's on freaking roids. I think it's pretty safe to say that we're doing this right now in like what we're talking about and probably one of the reasons that i love golf is because of him easily without a doubt because of him without a doubt oh i i I don't think that uh the game would be anywhere near where it is today without him well he he's owed plenty of things is he my favorite guy to watch i'm i'm an underdog guy anyway right so like go one step further 2000 through 2008 he was the guy the best golfer ever walked this earth right yeah just in that sample size for sure Think about the guys who are coming into the game right now. They're all young, like kids that were watching the game, watching him, yep. and then mimicking it. So now you've got like a Matt Wolf. You've got all these like, uh, what's the dude that's been on tour for a year that hits it a country mile? Oh, uh, Cameron, Cameron Champ. 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 All these dudes are Bo disciples. Bo Hostler, <laughs> big country. Uh, dude, he's our goal. Oh, by the way, we're going to announce that Bo Hostler. Is it Hostler, right? right? Yeah. Bo Hostler, right? Bo Hostler is officially our player that we are going to support. Faded golf. And back. Ba- they, they, he, he is officially backed, un- unofficially, officially. Congratulations, Bo. Backed. It's amazing. By Faded you Golf. Have, you're going to have 36 followers. Yeah, you might have 36 yeah. more followers tomorrow, but, but we, we, uh, we are officially now. On Bo Hostler's jock. Well, let me finish. Tag it. So yep. all these up-and-coming guys who hit it, they have swing speeds of like 130, who hit it over 300 consistently, are all disciples of this dude. Like, they are his generation. Because they grew up just watching golf being played by smashing the ball and, like, swinging efficiently and just killing it. And technology's been on their side, too. So, yeah, I think we all owe... 
everything in the golf world has been driven by him in the last 20 yeah, years. And Phil, Phil Mickelson would be the first one to tell you. Oh, he's he's got a private jet because of Tiger. A hundred percent. Dude, yeah. Tony Finau is flying every now and then on a private jet because of Tiger. Yeah. Without oh, winning a tournament. He never won a tournament. Never. Ricky And Fowler. dude is posting that he's on a private jet. That is unheard of. Yeah. Insane. So good pick. Well, no, it's I, not, I, and I, I hear, I, I knew it was. It's a smart pick. I, here's the thing: I don't, I want to be, I, I could go out on a limb and probably say that you know X Y Z is going to be whatever, but it would require actually Tiger being killed within the next two years, <laughs> like dying within well, the next two years, for anybody to create any more value than he does over the next twelve. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say like nobody's going to create more value than him over the next twelve. Sorry. He's already created it. That's, Correct. He's already created and it. It's it. only, and you know what? And he's already seen. But you couldn't keep riding Michael Jordan. That's the problem. There is, there is a top. You but couldn't keep riding uh, Michael Jordan. You know that. Though, you know like, that's the truth. But but from us, here's here's the, the Hornets didn't work. But here's the neither ca- did the Wizards. But here's the here's the caution that I have, and why this game is different. If you look at Wizards, um, <laughs> Wizards, fucking bullets. Um, if you look at golf and you look the way uh, Jack or Arnie or whoever, you know, like had sustainability in the game, right? And they just kept their character in the game and their, whether it was designing golf courses or it was sponsoring tournaments or whatever it was, those guys that were icons of the game. He's going to continue to be an icon of the game. He's going to continue to drive revenue for the game. It doesn't, okay. matter. it doesn't matter if he's playing or not. I like it. We got the picks. Let's segue to some drinks. All right. All right. Hang on, everybody. All right, we're back, and we're going to test some uh, tequila. So we have a um, tequila revolution. It's an extra Anejo Cristalino. So at least when I went through the duty-free at um, in Cabo, the way this was described to me is that they have aged this, but instead of it being kind of that more like brown, yellowy, aged in a barrel kind of look. They filtered it to make it look more like a silver tequila. But before we get into that, uh, one thing that I did not ask you guys is the Players' Championship. And we didn't even talk about it, but is the Players' Championship and should it be considered a major? No. No. Okay, we're going to leave that on that, and then we're going to move on because I agree 100%. It is not a major. It is another tournament that happens to play at the same course every single year. And I like it, but it's not a major. Okay. I don't think you have to kill the point. Everyone just enjoys it. Why can't you just let it be? It's a great tournament. And I feel like every single major started out that way where people just, it kind of just grew into this event that just leave it. It's a great tournament. Yeah. There's great players at it. And using other adjectives for it to try to keep the hype is more annoying. Here's my my point to it, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. There's only one major that is played at the same Exact course every single year, and I'll leave it. Ever heard? Ever heard of it? Yeah, there's only one major <laughs> that's best. played at the same course every single year. Yeah, only one. There you go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's try. Hey, this by the way, if the player if the players decides to start moving around courses, I might consider it, but it's not. All right, all right. So we have the uh, Tequila Revolution uh, Extra Nejo Cristi Cristalino mm. filtered. Well, hold on a second. Bad radio. What does it smell like? Let's let's give the listeners a little bit more of the sense. There's some other floral than, in here. Other do than, you, do you, do you, are you sniffing a little floral? 
That's the best tequila I've ever tasted in my life. I just tasted it. I'm wow. re- You're kidding me. I'm dead serious. Okay. It was so good. Since, All right. Since usually I'm a listener of the podcast, I just hear you guys slurping on stuff. Right, so slurping. Let's, uh, let's kick it up a notch. That is so good. What is that? Let me see. Let me see the bottle. Whew. It burns. Really? I think that's probably the smoothest tequila I've ever had. That is so good. And it's got a great aftertaste, too. It almost doesn't even taste like tequila. It's different. It's it's it it warms. I don't know. Like stings the nostrils. <laughs> the nostrils. Uh, yeah, would you say best? No. Wow, that was really good. Okay, I was now, I was not. I well, looked I, at. I, I smelled un- it, and I was like, "This." Is I I I set you guys up poorly because I said I don't know if you guys are you guys will think you like this, but it tastes like crest. Toothpaste in a good way. So you, it's like minty to you. Yes. Now, if you were allowed to eat toothpaste, because I know everyone's in this room has thought about it, it's like, wow, this is really actually enjoyable, but it will hurt your stomach if you do it. Um, this is a good equivalent for you it to go ahead almo- and get that sen- it, sensation. It almost doesn't taste like tequila. It do, it does not remind me of tequila. Um, no. But it's a good taste, and it's a weird thing you said there, but it actually it, hits the nail. It it it, it kind of tastes it, like. It it does it has this kind of like burning sensation, but not to the point where like I'm annoyed by it. That's what I think. That's what's unique about it is that um, you know I drink bourbon or you drink some other liquors and like and you we've all had well we have I don't know if everybody listening to this has had but we've all had shitty alcohol right like you've had some crappy Major vodka <laughs> right and where where somebody was like take a shot of this and you're like oh my god I think I'm gonna die uh, when I dr- when I sip on this. I don't think I'm going to die necessarily, but it definitely has like a. He, there's some heavy alcohol. Some light. There's some lighter fluid, but it's yeah. only 35. <laughs> percent There's that's some. Not, al- that's pretty. That's actually not too. But high. there's some alcohol in here, and to me, that's the thing that turns me off from it. Is that I think it's heavy alcohol, kind of to it. Um, I, but I really like it. I think there's some cool, unique flavors to it, and I I would say we usually do tequila on, on the rocks. Correct. I was going to say we rocks. are. I was going to say we are drinking it neat right now. For um, it to actually get like any, I good think taste if you watered neat. it down a little bit and maybe you give it a little lime squirt, this could be a really unique drink. In that, uh, um, I think it offers a lot of different flavors. That, uh, do you? I don't get the. Um, uh, that like kind of like traditional tequila. Uh, like the yeah the the tr- I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying. I can't here? explain it, but I know what you're saying. Like when you open a bottle, you smell tequila, and it all has that similar type yeah. of smell to it. Right. Except this podcast. If you're a regular listener like I am, um, you've been tasting a lot of tequila lately. Yep. And I will say my favorite tequila is the Classe Azul. Yep. It happens to just be like 80 bucks a bottle. So that's kind of a What's barrier this to a entry. Bottle? What's this a bottle, Mark? I think every single one that I got. So I got the, the Roca Patron. I got this one. And I got that, the, the dildo bottle. And they were all like 70 bucks each, uh, maybe 60 bucks each. Because I think after. It was duty free, so I think it was like roughly around two hundred bucks or something I, like that. I agree with so. my. I mean, like it, uh, it was. I was exaggerating. I said this is the best tequila ever, but it's. I I really like it. It's different. It has a really different appeal. It, you just don't get that like agave but, like hit you in the face. Right. Like the class Azul. Thing. The class Azul is really. Have you had that really high end one by them? 
Have you guys had? No, that? I thought that was the high. We're one. we're gonna. Oh, we're, there's like a fourteen. No, there's bottle. a black oh. bottle. We're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna invest in that. I one. saw that it's at coming. Um, Market District. It's coming. It's like two fifty, I think. Okay, we're there's, gonna get it. There's like a twelve hundred dollar bottle of that. There's a yeah. There's another one too. We're we're gonna get it. It's gonna it's gonna be epic. But I gotta my, I gotta I'm shaking my head. Right I gotta now. have our our sponsor. You know, maybe take care of us or something like that. So if if you get them to be your sponsor, I would. We actually do have a sponsor coming. Um, Good segue. I'm not sure if we will mention them on this episode. I think you need to save it for the next one. um, Tease it. Tease it a little bit. uh, We'll tease it a little bit. We have a. We have a. I think a really big sponsor coming. um, That I'm excited about. Uh, This sponsor is going to (laughs) offer us a number of. uh, We're actually going to be able to give some uh, discounts to our 25% off to our to our listeners. So uh, pretty exciting. Be on the lookout on the next episode. We'll have it on the Instagram Instagram account as Guys, well. Guys, thumbs up on the tequila. Thumbs up. You thumbs know, down. I'm 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 not gifting this. I'm not bringing it back from Mexico and giving it to anybody. I think it's really cool to have in my collection because it's different, Michael. But do I'm I not ha- gifting it. Do I have to pick between another similar price bottle? That no. Well, the, our our rating is: Would you gift it or not? Yeah, it's unique. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so you would bring this back and give it to somebody from Mexico. Yeah. If they like tequila, I'd be like, here, try this. It's okay. different. Than I've never tasted tequila like that in my life. All right. So you're a gifter. I'm not. I would buy it for myself. I don't think. Uh, there you go. I would say you'd buy it for yourself. I wouldn't gift it. I, I think would, again, I would not buy it for, for myself. For my, for I'm my pers- this bottle for home. my personal collection, <laughs> I keep it. But that's about it. So, all right. With that, uh, Michael Hart. Thank thanks. you for thanks, joining Michael. us, man. Thanks for, thanks for having really me. Really appreciate it's it. A lot of fun uh, talking shop. We love that you're hungry like the wolf for this season. We'll bring you back here in a few weeks, and uh, if not next week. And uh, for John Falkenberg and myself, we appreciate you listening. Go Thanks. out there. Uh, Cheers. Hit Cheers more guys. greens. You'll score better. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>